You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. My name is Ifa Funke, and I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I pray that God will help me do this speaker in- engagement, and uh, that whatever I say might be of service to someone. And I don't think there are any newcomers. I'm probably the newest person here. So I'll take what I like and leave the rest. Um, wow, what an honor to be in a group of people with so much experience and that are so uh, steadfast to this program. Um, I've been in OA since uh, winter of 2016, and I'll just share my experience, strength, and hope and kind of uh, tell you where I'm at today. Um, I came to OA on accident, <laughs> not accident by me, probably not accident by um, higher power. That's me, and um, <laughs> it's so cute technology nowadays. I'm in the center, and I'm pretty sure that's in middle school. I was probably 12 years old and like probably already 210 pounds. And uh, yeah, that was (laughs) a very awkward stage, but that's my life. And um, so I came into OA by accident. I was talking to like an aunt of mine. And I think at that point I was probably in grad school and a full blown drinking alcoholic and smoking pot and I wasn't, I can't even remember weighing myself, but I was probably at least 300 pounds. My highest weight was uh, 330, 35 pounds um, in college. And she was eating, I don't know if we can mention foods here, but she was eating fried meat and she was losing weight. And I said, what the hell? You're eating That's me in college. That's my heaviest. And uh, I used to be a resident advisor, which was the worst because it's funny looking at these pictures. They give you like unlimited food, but they don't like there's no checkbox when you go into college. It says, do you have an eating disorder? If so, let's try to like not give you unlimited food. (laughs) I wish they had like that would have been probably insulting, but very helpful because it was I had unlimited money, unlimited food. It was just and you see, I, I do hot dogs. Hot dogs and popcorn and pop was the the theme of my haul, but that was a a great experience. Anyways, anyways, so she said, oh, I'm in this program, never heard of it. And then something clicked in my head to say, why don't you check out, why don't you see if there's a program called Overeaters? I I never even heard of it. Something just in my head said, obviously, God, Google Overeaters Anonymous. So I did, and I went to my first meeting the next day, and it was a meeting for like bulimics and anorexics. And it was very interesting because I was the largest person in the room. I don't even think I could fit in the seat, but it was the first time that I actually felt like seen. And no one was talking directly to me, but being in a room with other people with eating disorders was like, wow, that that's really interesting. And I think I got the book and I was reading it on 
well, anyways, in the meeting, they said, why don't you, it was a writing meeting, but for some reason I heard write a poem about food. And it was the first, I wrote a poem and it felt like someone was saying, this is your best friend. And I want you to shoot her in the head. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd never realized that I had a relationship with food like that before. My compulsive overeating is the nature of, I was raised by like just complete out of tune hippies, drug addicts, alcoholics that up until very recently, in my opinion, should have never had children. They weren't ever physically there, really. Uh, just drinking and boozing to the max my entire life, basically. Um, my dad had 42 children. He was, um, my excuse was, I was born in Nigeria. He was a prince and he had seven wives and a bunch of mistresses. So it was, my, my experience was very, like, inconsequential. Like, I was just another child and like I could have been anywhere in the world and no one really seemed to care. So that came with a lot of pain, a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. But um, like the big book says, like self-knowledge avails us nothing. I'm never gonna go like, you know, <laughs> that's my college graduation. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place, but I had to get that robe specially made because I could not fit the robe that the school was supplying. And the next picture was like probably at the height of my OA and I started doing yoga, Bikram yoga, which was phenomenal because it was like my first time getting really in contact with my body. So um, I came to OA and um, fast forward, I didn't pay attention until 2011. I thought I was different from getting a sponsor. I thought I was different from getting doing the steps. I thought I was different from really sharing at meetings and listening to what was being said and taking it outside of the rooms. Cause it was like one hour of reprieve. These people get me, leave the room, let's go get some fast food and, you know, go right back on whatever I was doing. Um, I just thought, I thought I was like terminally unique. It was the first time I've like could relate to people, but I was just completely different. And then I guess in 20, uh, 10, 2011, God gave me, <laughs> hit me with the whip of willingness. And um, someone suggested in the program that I was in OA that I joined this thing called um, AWOL, which is a way of life. And it's like an intensive 12 step study that you do with other people in OA. And part of the requirements is that you have to get a sponsor. Now, mind you, for probably five years, I've been hearing this word sponsor and I didn't know what it was. That's the level of my compulsive overeating. I can do something for years and only apply myself 17%. Like the, the disease was just like, a, a, my brain is in this like permanent mental fog, especially with food to where I can be going. I mean, I went every week and this word sponsor, I never even thought to look it up, investigate it. It just had nothing to do with me. So um, I got a sponsor. We did the steps together. It was amazing. I released about 165 pounds. I came up with my own food plan. Well, not, I didn't come up with my own food plan, but it changed a lot. She said, eat two cups of this, one cup of this, four ounces of this. I did that. It went through a lot of different changes. And um, I, I'll fast forward to where I am now. Throughout the, the entire probably eight years that I was abstinent in OA, I went from being a paleo to a, a paleo vegan to like a vegan to 
I was just changing my food plan around a lot. And in retrospect, it was really kind of like a diet. So um, not really, but it was just like, wow, I'm a food addict, but wow, look, I can just wake up one day, watch a documentary and I'm vegan. And I really was vegan. And people were like, oh my God, you're vegan. I'm like, yeah, not only am I vegan, I'm a paleo vegan, which I thought was so cool because it gave, I had so much control. So in May, 2019, I got pregnant, my very first time pregnant. And my biggest fear was gaining weight. I had no joy at all throughout my pregnancy. All I saw was like the weight gaining and it was like carbohydrates all of a sudden. I couldn't stand the idea of beans and vegetables. I just wanted, not all the time, but I started eating, I don't know if you can say foods here, but breads, crackers, but I never lost like my hardcore abstinence of like ice cream, cookies, you know, just full on binges that never happened. But the quality quantities increased and the quality of the foods turned into like recreational foods that I typically wouldn't, I hadn't eaten before. And I knew when I first did my list for OA of foods that didn't work for me, like pizza, burritos, tacos, no, it didn't work for me, but I'm pregnant. So I had absolutely no joy during pregnancy. I did like envision what my new child would look like, but all I could see was the weight gain. And I was so delusional that while I was gaining, I was pregnant in my head, I was just gaining weight. It wasn't like, oh, you have life in you. And I gained probably 40 pounds, which is on the higher end, but it's not ab completely abnormal for a pregnancy. And all, all I cared about was gaining weight. I was even, and this is the insidiousness of being a possible reader. In my head, I was also on a diet. And uh, I'll get, I'll start going into what's, what's worked soon. But I remember once when I was like drinking, smoking weed and like no, no parameters around food whatsoever. I was on a diet in my head and I wrote out the things that I ate. And I had a full sugary breakfast, a full sugary snack, a full sugary after snack, a full fatty lunch, a pre-dinner, a dinner, and two after dinners. And in my head, that was a diet. That was actually a good day. And if I hadn't written it down, I wouldn't have seen years later when I found this piece of paper how insane that was. So I had my baby in January, 2020. And then by April, 2020, I was pregnant again <laughs> with twins this time. And it was a very difficult pregnancy because it was like, I literally gained a hundred pounds in a year and a half. All I could think about was the food. Corona happened the exact day a month after my pregnancy, I had an abscess and had to be hospitalized and have another surgery. Then I was pregnant. And then Corona happened the exact day that I went back to work. I'm a business owner. So it was like, I got through Corona and I'll get to the point of, you know, how that happened. But it was like the, the and I had just relocated my business and my Build business had just flooded twice. I think that's five minutes. Or is someone talking? Not yet. It's seven okay. minutes. All right. So um 
I, I had my other two children in um, January, in December 2020, and I'd been going to OA in and out and just talking about the food nonstop and obsessed about body. And I was going to go on this like Kardashian diet. And it never really occurred to me that I have no control over food because I'd done it before. I'd been vegan before on my own free will. And I, I don't understand why I can't do it again. And it just kind of occurred to me that I had absolute, I did not have the willpower to go back to the way I was eating. I had no willingness to go back to two cups of vegetables, a cup of carbohydrates and four ounces of meat. I just couldn't, I, could, I, I couldn't do it. And then my son passed away of vaccine poisoning, basically. That's not for program, but that is what happened. Seven months into life. And I really couldn't tell you what happened because I'm in so much grief. It actually happened. It'll be two months in a, it, it was two months, two days ago. I couldn't tell you what happened, but something clicked in my head to try OA how. I'd been seeing this woman <laughs> in OA for a while and she lost all this weight. And I think I went to a meeting and I said, what happened? And she said, oh, I used to be a perinatal so, uh, social worker. And then she gave me all this advice about how to deal with the grief. And then I was just willing to say, why don't I try OA how? And I gotta be honest with you, in my heart of hearts, it was, I probably heard, oh, I lost 80, 90 pounds. And I said, oh, I'll try it. I'll try this diet. I'll try losing 80, 90 pounds. If it worked for you, it'll work for me. And then I got this food plan and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Five minutes. Are you serious? Five minutes. I got it. The, uh, the intensity of it was like, it, it, it was beyond boot camp. <laughs> it wasn't even like my paleo vegan days. It was just like beyond me. And um, I've read the big book many times. I've read uh, 12 and 12 many times. I've read the daily readers many times. And I told you, all the nature of my compulsive overeating is I could hear the same thing over and over for 20 years and it does not penetrate my head. And I'm not cured. I still have a hard time believing that I'm a compulsive overeater, but I read these books as with the first 30 days of writing and I kind of heard many things in a different way. For example, the chapter on we agnostics, it talks about like being of the intellectual variety and I'm definitely of the intellectual variety. I grew up in a very spiritual anti-God house, which was like church. I mean, I'll be very serious. Church was for people that couldn't think. Feelings were for people that had too much time on their hands. I'm a free thinker. I have a relationship with God. I don't need group. And being um, from a product of a household like the one I grew up in and with this um, disease, uh, isolation is a big part of my story. I, you couldn't tell me in a million years that I would like be in a group of people talking about God. Cause it was just like, my isolation just makes me want to cower and my head tells me I'm different. So I'm reading this book about we agnostics and I go, well, I'm willing to bet probably 2.5 billion people in this world are Christian. <laughs> And I'm pretty smart, but I'm probably not smarter than 2.5 billion people. It might even be 3 billion people. There's a lot of people in this world. It's 8 billion, and a lot of them are Christian. I just picked Christianity. I was actually raised kind of Muslim because it gets 
to the point for me. I, I it's English, it's understandable, whatever. I thought about it one day, and then within that one day, two people invited me to church. No one's ever invited me to church before. I've been probably a handful of times in my life, and it wasn't by choice. So I don't really know where I'm going with this, but um, actually, I do know where I'm going with this. I'm having a difficult time, but I'm taking it one day at a time, grasping the idea of, one, the severity of my compulsive overeating. And I understand now why we read the big book, because you can see, I'm not call it too, how it's not just I'm going to learn how to drink a little bit of beer or how to moderate my wine. I'm a complete alcoholic. And with food, I'm a complete food addict. And I can't moderate a food plan. My experience has shown me that. And I think, oh, wait, how? I'm not entirely sold on it yet, but I'm pretty sold today that it has this very structured food plan that I don't have to think so much about. And I've even had battles like, I don't understand why I can't just eyeball the butter or the oil. And the insidiousness of compulsive overeating is like, while I'm still losing weight, the, I can't even tell you how this happens, the obsession and the shame and the guilt of not weighing and measuring something as simple as butter will make me completely unproductive, unuseful to myself and unuseful to the people around me for God knows how long. So that that's pretty powerful. Like, you know how you'll meet someone thin in OA and they're like, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I used to be like, I don't get it. But you're not fat. The obsession is enough. <laughs> Trust me. The obsession, the shame and the guilt and the isolation is enough. <laughs> and I get that now that my whole two pregnancies showed me that. So um, what I'm dealing with today is um, understanding the severity of my compulsive overeating, turning it completely over to a higher power, and then a new depth of having a relationship and belief and faith in God is just like, it's mind blowing because I had one before and I guess it's God's, you know, quickly or slowly God's own plan that it feels like he said, well, we got to, you know, we got to this level in the beginning. Now let's go to another level with our relationship. And it's mind blowing because I don't know what to expect. And uh, that's it for me. And I'd like the topic to be about your own relationship with your higher power.